0: Our text for this morning is the gospel lesson that was read just a few moments ago. It's on the back of your bulletin, so let me encourage you to keep it out and be looking at it as we work our way through it. Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 20. In the name of Jesus, amen. Look at the back of your bulletin and see how our text begins. Jesus began to tell the people this parable. Now, it was Tuesday of Holy Week. And Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem. It's been quite a journey to reach this place at this particular time. He has begun. The, he and the disciples began this journey. Remember, at the Caesarea Philippi, they've been on the road a long time before they have gotten here. And on the it was in Caesarea Philippi that the disciples made that tremendous confession, saying to Jesus, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And it was there also that Jesus, for the first time told the disciples what was going to happen once they got to Jerusalem. How he was going to be arrested and tortured and tried and all of those things and finally crucified and then even rise on the third day. They didn't catch a hold of that part. They simply The last part, they certainly couldn't even believe that, couldn't understand it. Well, they left Caesarea Philippi and begin the journey south. Remember on the way they come to that mountain, Jesus goes onto the mountain to pray and that's where the transfiguration happens and his raiment, his clothes and his face become so bright Moses and Elijah come and talk to him about what's going to happen in Jerusalem. The cloud comes and said, this is my beloved son, or out of the cloud comes the voice that says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Well, they leave there and they go from village to village as they're coming south now, and Jesus is preaching and he's teaching and he's healing he's calling people to repentance, he's talking to people about the forgiveness of the Lord all of these kind of things and finally they get all the way down now and they get into Judea and they come to the place called Jericho and as they come to Jericho, of course, that's where he heals a blind man but that's also where he sees that man up in the tree Zacchaeus, he kind of says, come down and he invites himself to Zacchaeus' home And that day, of course, brought salvation to the home of Zacchaeus and a mighty change in that man's life. And then he goes to Bethany, up the mountain now to Jerusalem and to Bethany right outside of Jerusalem, spends the Sabbath day there with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You can imagine that must have been a great day of fellowship and renewed acquaintances and all of those things. And then the next day, Sunday, he rides into Jerusalem and we call that day now Palm Sunday. Remember how the folks greeted him and threw their cloaks down and palms and and uh, greeted him with their hosannas all of those kind of things. Monday then was a day of confrontation and he goes into the temple and he sees the sellers you know the people there they're selling animals they're exchanging money and all those kind of things and he upsets their tables of the money changers drives out the animal sellers it's a picture of chaos, violence What a confrontation that was. And now it's Tuesday, and that's where our text takes place, Tuesday. It's also a day of confrontation. Not so violent and chaotic though. Confrontation in this way, that his enemies, the scribes, the Pharisees, all of these folks, come and uh, they are harassing and they are questioning and they are accusing. And they are saying to him, who has given you the authority to do the things you're doing and who has given you the authority to say the things that you are saying? And Jesus does not answer them directly, but he looks them in the eye, and he then tells them the parable that is our text. And in that parable, he stresses the wonderful patience of God, and he also stresses the awfulness of God's, uh, awfulness of man's sin, and then awfulness of God's judgment upon that sin. And that's what we want to look at in the next few minutes, and I pray God's blessing upon my speaking and your hearing. Now once again look at the back of your bulletin how it all starts out, how he starts out the parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some tenants or farmers and went away for a long time. And as soon as his hearers heard him say this they knew exactly what he was talking about. Because you see in the Old Testament God's prophets had all many times referred to Israel as God's vineyard. They talked about how God brought his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, brought them to this promised land. And that promised land became like a vineyard, you see. That's God's special planting. And he did all kinds of wonderful things for his people. He blessed them in so many ways. No people in the ancient world had received the kind of favor that they had had. And so the people who heard him knew exactly that he was talking about Israel, the people of God, and how God had blessed them. Then he goes on in the parable, and he says, When the time came, he talks about how blessed they were in the parable. Then he goes on, When the time came, this is harvest time, he sent his servant to the tenants, so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. Now God expected, of course, blessing them as he had blessed them, that he would uh, find all kinds of fruit. I mean, he had blessed them with freedom from slavery, he had blessed them with the promises of the covenant, he had blessed them with the Ten Commandments, he had blessed them with a rich tradition of worship, he had blessed them with beautiful feasts to celebrate and, and to remember, and. He had blessed them in so many, many ways. And God, blessing them in all of these ways, expected fruit. He expected to find goodness and righteousness and love for the brother and compassion for the needy and care for the widow and orphan, all of these things. Now back to the parable. And so he sent servants, you see, looking for this fruit. But these servants were treated terribly by the tenants and they abused them and they threw them out of the vineyard and he sent another servant and then he sent another servant and finally that last servant they wounded him they beat him up they threw him out of the vineyard goodness goodness and as his hearers heard all of this they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about and that he was talking particularly right to them you see they realized that when Jesus was talking about these servants coming to the vineyard he was talking about the prophets in the Old Testament, that God had sent prophet after prophet, and those prophets were godly men who who preached the good news and also the law and called people to repentance, all of those kind of things. And you can be sure that they, they probably thought of Elijah and Elisha and how God had sent them looking for fruit. And instead of finding a worship of the triune God, instead of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they found people worshiping Baal and, and going away from the Lord. And they must have thought about Amos and how he came preaching and teaching, but instead of finding righteousness he found greed and he found corruption and he found uh, people taking advantage of the poor, the rich, and he took, found crookedness and business and he found injustice in the courts, all of these kind of things. Then there was Isaiah, and God sent him, you see, and he came looking for fruit, and Jeremiah came looking for fruit, and Ezekiel came looking for fruit, and Joel, and Hosea, and Haggai, all of these came looking for fruit. And those who heard Jesus, they picked up on this right away, and they knew what he was talking about. My goodness, and yet all of these who came, these prophets whom God sent, what they found was sin, and more sin, and rebellion, and people turning their backs upon the God who had blessed them in so many ways, Yet what what was so amazing, that God kept sending servants. Servants who were mistreated, servants who were abused, these prophets. Some of them martyred, and God kept sending. It was a picture of his grace, his patience. He kept hoping, he keeps trying. He keeps sending more and more. You see, he is serious about his people. He wants them to come back to him. He wants them to be great and fruit-bearing. And yet it's simply not happening. Well, Jesus goes on in the parable. After sending all of these servants, you see, after sending all of these servants, finally he decides he's going to send his own son. He's going to send his own son. And surely the tenants will respect his own son. They'll listen to him. Surely they will. But how sad the reaction. And Jesus points this. He says in parable when they realized the sun was coming they plotted against him they thought well if we get rid of him then the vineyard will be ours and we can do with it what we want and so what they did is they put the sun out of the vineyard and they killed him and then Jesus asked this question at the very end of the parable he says what then will the owner of the vineyard do to them and he answered his own question he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others." Jesus was announcing what was going to happen and they picked up on this right away too. You see, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew finally that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. He knew that the mob was going to shout for his crucifixion. He knew that Pilate would finally give in in order to save his career. He knew that the soldiers were going to taunt and mock. And he knew that finally the nails were going to be driven. And he knew that the cross was going to be hoisted. He knew all of those things. Yet the amazing thing was that he went ahead. Because he also knew who he was. And he also knew why he was here. And that was to seek and to save. And to die for the sins of mankind. Well, when these people heard this, his followers said, surely that won't happen But then if you look at verse 19, how different, how different was the reaction of the enemies, the scribes, the chief priests. Look at verse 19. After Jesus told this parable, they realized what he was talking about. And the point is made in this verse. They sought to lay hands on him at that very hour. For they perceived that he told this parable against them. But they feared the people. If they could have, they would have killed him right then and there. But they were afraid that they would have a mob scene on their hands. And so they didn't do anything, they just bide their time. But Jesus then says something that's very mystifying. At that point, I'm sure, his hearers maybe didn't pick up on it. But most certainly since then, it has become a point of inspiration and assurance. Look what he said. The stone that the builders builded, so all of these things are going to happen. But the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. What he's referring to there, of course, is his resurrection. That finally in the end, he is going to come through victoriously. That finally in the end, the victory is going to belong to the Lord. So let's summarize it now and put it all together, what we've so far heard. In the parable, Jesus is talking about the love and the grace and the patience of God that he sends and he sends and he sends and he tries and he tries and he tries. His heart is so big that he just keeps reaching out, reaching out. But it also shows us the sinfulness of man. It shows us the pride of man and the rebellion of man and his determination to keep God out of his life even to the point where he will kill. Huh? But when we also see the son who comes to live and die and rise again in order to rescue and bring back. But we also see this, that finally when all of God's efforts are rejected, and even the Son is rejected, there finally comes judgment. And we have to realize, though, that the parable is not only told to those who first heard it, but the parable is also told for you and for me. And it speaks to you and to me today. you know something? That you and I are God's vineyard. We, today, each one of us, is God's vineyard. you ever think of yourself in that way? God's vineyard in this sense, that God has given you the gift of life. That God has blessed you in so many, many ways. You would not be here, breathing, heart beating, all of these things. You would not have the talents and all the things that you have. God has blessed you, bless me, in so many, many ways. We are his vineyard. He has poured out upon us his favor. We acknowledge this in the first article when we say, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes and ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. That's a picture of us as his vineyard, huh? That's what that's all about. So we are special to Him by our creation. But think of this too, we are also special to Him through our baptism. That He came to us in baptism. And He put His name on us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And He said to us, you are now my own. And I have a kingdom for you. And I have a place in heaven for you. And you are special. You are special by creation. You are special by my redemption. You are very special. You belong to me. And look how I have blessed you spiritually in so many, many ways. And so having been blessed by our creation, having been blessed by our redemption, God calls us to fruit-bearing. The fruit-bearing is a result of all of that blessing. And so God calls us to fruit-bearing. And He says, now in your world, I want you to be salt. And I want you to be light. I want you to serve your brother. I want you to care for those who are around you. I want, to be for, I want you to be as forgiving toward others as I am toward you. I want you to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. I want you to comfort the sorrowing. I want you to assemble together in order to comfort each other, to strengthen each other and to worship me. I want you to read the word that I have given to you. I want you to reach out searching for the lost souls around you. I want you to love your spouses. I want you to love your children. I want you to take care of your homes. I want you to be good and honest people in the workplace. All of these things. In other words, I've blessed you in so many ways and now recognize that and show that to the world around you by your fruit bearing. So he urges us to, he urges us to be fruit bearers. Now, through the years, of course, he sent his servants to us. To urge us and encourage us in our fruit-bearing. When we're little kids, of course, those servants are our parents and they bring us to Sunday school. There we can learn about our Lord Jesus. They bring us to Wednesday to a Christian day school, all of these things. They are our, they are the Lord's servants. We think of those people, our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, our sponsors, all of those people in our growing up years all of those were God's representatives, and all of those were sent by him to tell us about him and all of those sins and encourage us in our fruit-bearing. They wanted us to grow up to be Christian people, people who would serve the Lord and serve the world around us, all of those kind of things. That's fruit-bearing. And all those people who were part of our lives as we are growing up, they are God's servants sent to us to encourage us, urge us in fruit-bearing. And then as we get older, there are others who come along. There are pastors and there are teachers and there are Sunday school workers and there are friends and there are witnesses and all of these people who brought us the good news. They are God's servants and we think of them in that sense. All of these people have come into your life, they've come into my life. They are sent by the Lord himself who is very concerned about us and wants us to keep growing, wants us to keep growing and fruit bearing. And he sends his son to us. Just like in the parable, he sends his son. His son came to us in holy baptism. His son comes to us through his word. His son comes to us always through the Lord's Supper, his body and blood. All of these things that I've mentioned, these servants coming, the son himself coming. God is serious about his relationship to us, serious about wanting us to be in a very strong relationship with him. And that's why all of these things. Now... Why does God keep doing this? Why is He so patient in His sending? Because He wants us in heaven. You see? And you think of that. You are God's special vineyard. You are God's special person. I am God's special person. And God does all of these things, all of this sending, all of this working, so that we can be in heaven with Him someday for all of eternity. Isn't that something that indeed is wondrous? He's serious. That's why he does what he does. And so the question we ask must ask is, am I as serious in my receiving as he is in his sending? The Bible does say things like, be not deceived, the God is not mocked. Our God is a consuming fire. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, you see. And so... In the parable, of course, those who turned their back upon everything that God could do for them and did for them, eventually experienced judgment. God doesn't want that to happen. And so that's why He keeps sending people to us. And so even now, think of this, when someone encourages you or admonishes you, when the elders come to see you, when the pastor comes to see you, when when the Kennedy caller comes to see you, when any one of your brothers and sisters in Christ come to see you or encourage you or witness to you or any of those kind of things. You look upon those people as God's servants. He has come because he's concerned, because the Lord wants me someday with him, and he wants me to be a fruit bearer now, all of those kind of things. So listen to the parable very carefully. It's got a great message for you and I today. And as you leave here this morning, think of yourself in that way, that you are... God's vineyard, blessed in so many, many ways. And thank him for that. And thank him for the grace that he has extended to you. And thank you for the patience that he has given to you. And, and thank you for all the servants that he has sent to you through your life. And thank you for his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then say a little prayer. Lord, help me to grow in my fruit bearing. Amen.